Hey, good evening, Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. And tonight we have episode two of In the Trenches with the Early Educators, featuring Sharon and myself. Um, and we just uh, glad you guys could join us from those venues. And uh, hopefully we'll have a good show. And hopefully you guys that's watching will join in the chat and intermingle with us, ask us questions. Ask definitely ask the two young ladies questions. Um, I'm just here as the host, <laughs> and uh, don't be don't be shy to ask questions. And I did want to say before we start that um, Sharon has on her pink today, yes. um, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we need to be mindful of the, of of what majority of women and our breast cancer awareness and understanding. Um, early detection is the best detection. So mm -hmm. the earlier we know, the better. How you doing, Sharon? I am wonderful. Thank you for asking, Mr. Quentin. Um, and yes, we do have a special guest, but before I introduce her, I just want to do a few shout outs. And so the first one, the intro music is a beat that was produced by my son, Marcus Beck. And you can find him at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore the producer on Instagram. So if you have need for any music, if you need studio time, Hit him up. He can help you out. A um, few of our sponsors. Me or you? You go ahead, Sharon. You go ahead. Okay. So I just want to also recognize some people who um, were there with me in the trenches in the beginning as some of our sponsors for our live event. And um, the first one is Demetrius Clemens. And Demetrius is twofold. Demetrius is my barber. So thanks to him, you know, when I go, he keeps me fresh. Um, so Vision's Barbershop in Roswell um, is Demetrius, and um, he is also an artist. And so you can find him on Facebook at Artist Demetrius. He has some beautiful, beautiful art that he does. Um, and then I want to thank Nia, uh, who is from Jelly Bean Creations. She creates um, lots of things, uh, glasses, the, the glitter dip glasses. She does T-shirts. Um, just about anything you can think of, she can do for you. And she's also on Facebook at Jelly Bean Creation. And then I want to thank a big shout out to Premier Events um, and the Premier Playhouse in Clayton County, Clarissa Winston, um, who hosted our live book signing event and will be hosting it again in no uh, for the second book in November. So just wanted to tell all of them thank you and we appreciate you for supporting us and getting us started on this journey. Who knew back in April when In the Trenches was born that I would be on the internet with a show, thanks to Quentin, having wonderful people such as Debbie on our show. So I am gonna to introduce to you now our special guest who I've known for quite a long time, we've, you know, child care industry, early childhood industry is not that large, although there are over 4,000 uh, programs in the state of Georgia. We, I still feel like our community is this small, but we have with us tonight Ms. Debbie Hillman, um, and Debbie Hillman is the president and CEO of Developing Human Resources Consultants. Um, this is her firm, and she provides training and technical assistance two programs that serve infants, toddlers, preschool children, and their families. Uh, Debbie is a Georgia native. She's a Georgia peach, everybody. She did her undergraduate work at South Carolina State University. Whoop, whoop. And then she went to graduate school at Ohio State University. She's worked, um, done extensive work with uh, Head Start programs, both in Columbus, Ohio, and in DeKalb County in Georgia. Um, Debbie has a passion for improving the quality of life for children and families and communities. And so because of that, she is a huge advocate and she does a lot of work um, with the AKA Connection as a coordinator. 
Uh, she worked with NAACP Political Action and Community Involvement Coordinator. She is also a proud member of the Black Child Development Institute, serving as the Atlanta Public Policy Chairman and on the NCNW Political Action Committee. She is also the chairperson there. So she collaborates both with traditional and non-traditional um, partners, bringing together civic organizations, religious organizations, educational and government organizations to act on behalf of children and families. So I would like for us to welcome to the show tonight, Miss Debbie Hillman. Hey, Debbie. Hi, Sharon. Thanks so much for the invitation. You are so welcome. I'm just excited to have you here um, with us tonight. And the, the title of the show tonight is um, Will You Stand for the Children? And hey, Jeanette, um, we want to, part of the reason I brought you in, asked you, invited you for this show tonight um, is we were, we got on the subject of the census last week. And I, I actually talked about you. I didn't call you by name, but I did say that there was somebody I knew that done, had done a lot of work. And we actually had somebody ask a question that I'm going to ask uh, ask a little bit later. Um, but I thought about you because of all the advocacy work you do um, in the state of Georgia on behalf of children. And it is that time of year. It's 2020 and we have the census going. You know, in less than 30 days, we go to the polls and we have um, an election, a very important election year, not only for uh, our presidential candidates, but for our local government as well. And I think that people don't always understand that it's not just about the president, it's about all of the other elected officials um, that will really make local decisions and make decisions for our states. So if you can just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, anything I may have left out that you want us to know, and a little bit about the work that you do to get us started. We would love to hear that. Thanks again, Sharon. One of the things that I learned early in life from my parents, family, and friends, and that is that service is the rent we pay for the space we occupy here on Earth. And so people sometimes say, well, how can you do this and that and the other? One of the ways I can do it is because I try to connect um, my professional and my civic life together. When we start thinking about those things that need to happen between now and November 3rd, the professionals can't do it alone, nor can the civic organizations, nor can those individuals who are living in communities trying to figure out, okay, so who do I vote for? How do I vote? When do I vote? Voting and census go hand in hand because both mean that I have a voice and I am counted. And so one of the things that I do on a daily basis is to identify ways or vehicles through which people can in fact be counted. To give voice to the voiceless, I have the pleasure of uh, being affiliated with several organizations who share my passion. Um, we mentioned Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. But then there's also Top Ladies of Distinction, National Council of Negro Women, Black Child Development Institute. I happen to be the leadership chair right now of Strengthening Families Georgia. And so all of these things sort of come together. And in, in um, Ending Mass Incarceration, Georgia Network. All of these things come together with one central focus that's creating a better life for children and families. And if children and families have a better life, then we have stronger communities. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And, um, you know, some of the work I've done with United Way here in Georgia uh, with their child well-being project was very mm -hmm. impactful to me um, because it, it really um, shows how it's not just the child and the, and the family, but it is the whole community that ensures that children are doing well. And we see that a lot of our communities uh, in Metro Atlanta, in our 13 counties uh, of Metro Atlanta, a lot of children are suffering. A lot of children are doing really well in their communities. Their communities are thriving. We have a lot of communities that aren't and they do need our help um, and our support. And one of the ways that we get that support for those communities is ensuring that those families are counted in the census because that's how the government decides where the money's going to go. And so, you know, when people say, well, they already have money, you know, what, what, they don't need more money, but they're being counted. And so yes. when the money comes down the pipe, <laughs> it's going to the communities that were counted. So we had a person to ask a question last week, which I thought I, I, I was stumped. Um, and maybe you can give some insight or maybe we can brainstorm together. Yeah. But you wanted to know what were some creative ways to engage communities in participating in the census? Because we know that a lot of communities, especially black and brown communities are not participating. Um, and she wanted to know what could we do to um, help people to understand and get them engaged in this whole census process? I think one of the, the ways that we do that is to help individuals see how they win. Because mm. all too often we, we hear, you must, you need to come on and. But we don't hear enough about why I should do it. What's in it for me? Uh -huh. So, and we talk with individuals about schools, for example, and you see the school across town looking better. We sometimes have to step by and say, okay, so why do they have a better school? Is it just because they have a ta better tax base? Or is it possible that they go to the meetings? Is it possible that the meetings are held for them at times that are convenient, at places where it's convenient? And is that because perhaps they were counted? When you see that somebody cares about you enough to provide those opportunities when you see that you know what i am going to call it for some of us it's as simple as as figuring out that nobody's out to get us unfortunately we are living in a a time and a season where in all too often we're looking around the corner for the gotcha mm. and the feeling that if i tell this if i answer this question what are they really asking how are they going to use that against me and the best people to sell our community on being counted are those of us who reside in those communities. Yeah. Those of us who take it to the streets, those of us who aren't afraid to visit churches, and we know that right now we are still staying at home. But one of the things that we've been able to do at my church is to share information virtually. Mm -hmm. We still have an announcement period. People still have social media. People still have friends and church members that they talk to on the phone. So each one take five. Making a pledge to ourselves, working closely with fraternities, sororities, the Masons, the baseball team, the motorcycle game, 
those individuals who have influence in the community are the people who are most likely to get the message out and bring the people in far more than just seeing a commercial on television or on the internet Yeah, I, I found that that works. I, I, I found that in in my work community, um, I get more response when I send a personal text mm-hmm. or a phone call or sometimes even a personal email because the group email goes out. And so the information is out there. But when I make that call, hey, did you get the information? We need you. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Well, you think you can make it? Yeah, I'm going to come. But had I not made that phone call. So that's a good point that if you are in the community and an influencer in the community, whatever your community is, it could your community could be your family. And if you think about it, even if your community is, in fact, your family of four. If the four of you each have four friends, then four times four equals 16. And if those 16 have four friends, that's 48. Right. Numbers keep going and growing to a point where you finally say, you know what? We started with a circle of four, but now everybody's at the block party. Mm-hmm. So making it fun, making it creative, again, helping people connect. Because if I, you know, when we talk about politics, many of us run to the uh, polling places during the national elections. But the president does not decide how many children will be in your child's classroom. That's right members of the school board do. The president does not decide whether there will be lights on your street corners. The county commissioners do. And so that's why it's so important for us to start connecting the dots and saying, when I do this, they do that. When I stand up and tell my story, somebody hears it. And when I say, you know what? My mother had to go 20 miles to the hospital because the hospital closed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why did it close? How could I have kept it open? How could my family have supported keeping it open. If I don't participate in the census, if I don't vote, then I have given away my most prized possession, my voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Quentin, we have a lot of activity tonight. I'm so excited to see all of the comments coming across. Um, people who are are uh, giving their own comments, and I'm sorry I can't shout all of them out, um, but you all can see them flashing across the screen. I just want to say thank you all for engaging, and if you have any questions that you want to ask of uh, any of us, please feel free to use the chat to put the question up, and Quentin will get the question to us so that it can be addressed. But Debbie said let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Debbie. Um, you 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 talked about letting people understand, mm-hmm. like, what are they going to get out of it by by participating in the, the election, by participating in the census. Do you think that that strategy, opposed to the strategy that other people use, is way more important than the strategy that other people use? They'll just tell you, "Oh, go vote." Vote, vote. Exactly. Vote. Well, why Does my vote? vote count? In our community, you know, there was a company years ago called FUBU. For us, by us. Well, 
when I think about the connections that we make in our community, it is critical because we have been left out so long, so often. We're the only people right now who have to go out and say out loud, walking through the streets, that Black Lives Matter. If I don't know that, if I don't believe that, if everything around me says that I don't matter, then we have to talk with one another, build up that self-esteem, build up that self-pride, help people say, you know what? You do matter. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you can show that you matter is using this weapon called the census and the vote. Mm -hmm. Also, also uh, one question I wanted to ask you was, one of the things that me and Sharon had discussed uh, prior to the show was, a lot of people, when they vote and their person doesn't win, they tend to fall back for the two, three, or even four years until their person win and not know how to hold that elected person accountable. What are some of the ways that we can hold, outside of the census, an elected uh, somebody with Board of Education or an elected official accountable? One of the things that we've done in my local NAACP branch, as well as at the, the state, regional, and national level, is having a scorecard. And part of that scorecard is, think about being a student. As a student, certain information is shared with you from your teacher, right? So when your teacher shares the information with you, along the way, the journey of the course, you have tests. You have quiz, you write papers. Well, if a teacher is holding you accountable as a voter, you should be holding accountable those individuals for whom you vote. Because when you vote for somebody, you're investing in that individual. Even if you don't vote for them, you know that it's highly likely that they will run again. So I have your scorecard ready. Nobody is interested in a person who only shows up during the election. Now, in the black and brown church for years, we had people who filled the agenda during the church service with why we should vote for them. They flocked to the churches. But what happens six months after the election? If you told our church family that you were going to put in new streetlights, then where are the streetlights? And if the streetlights aren't there, we're not going to wait four years and just not vote for you again, because that means for three and a half years, we didn't have any streetlights. Mm -hmm. And our children were not safe. Our elderly members were not comfortable coming to evening services because you said you were going to. Now, if you said it, and I don't hold you to it, whose fault is that? Mm. Mm -hmm. So one of the organized ways that we can do this is by bringing together individuals from within the community. It may be your uh, homeowners association. It might be your tenants association. It may be the Head Start Policy Council. It may be any number of people but the reality is if you told me you were going to do it i am going to hold you to it okay. and i don't plan to stand alone i can get you elected by yourself or by myself 
So certainly I am not going to hold you accountable by myself. But believe me, you will know my voice. One of the things that comes to mind is the first time that I went to an advocacy workshop for educators or early childhood educators, one of the questions was, do you know who represents you? Hmm. Please stand. And so quite a few people stood, not everybody, but quite a few. Well, then the next question was, okay, do they know you? Mm. And if they know you, continue standing. Because think about it. If Sharon sends you over to an agency to talk with someone about a job and she just says, Clinton, uh, I think they're open on Mondays until 3 Look in the phone book. That's one way of doing it. But your likelihood of success is improved if Sharon says, I talked with Debbie. She's expecting you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I feel really good about is that when I go down to the Georgia State House, I don't just stand there in line at waiting on those uh, little sheets of paper. I start making phone calls and say, I'm downstairs in this area. And in a matter of time, my legislators there, other legislators are there because that's how we get it done. Mm. Wow. I know I am one of one of my goals lately has been to become more active because I know I've been one of those people that would have had to sit right down. <laughs> and there was a time when I would not have even been able to stand up. Um, and so what are some of the ways that people in my situation, my former situation, how do we how do we get started how do we know how do we find out who represents us how do we know what's going on how do we stay in the loop right now there's something called my voter page and it takes you you put in your information you go right to the secretary of state's office now if you're in georgia you go there Yesterday, I had the pleasure of participating in a, um, an event that was held about voter suppression. Uh, it was being held in Virginia, but most of what they were talking about was what was happening in Georgia mm -hmm. as it relates to voter suppression. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, I am just embarrassed and proud at the same time. Mm -hmm. embarrassed that we have leaders, quote unquote leaders, who will beg, borrow, and steal to get a position and then cause others to suffer. But at the same time, I'm proud, and I use Stacey Abrams as an example. Stacey did not when, quote unquote, the leadership role as governor of Georgia. However, Stacy has used her power, mm -hmm. her skills, her strategies to build fair count, to impact not just what happens in Georgia, but throughout. My really good friend, D. Dawkins Hagler, former state representative in Georgia, ran for Secretary of State. Didn't win the position. But the point is you don't have to be in a position to do the job. Our families need us. Our children need us. Our communities need us. We don't have to have an official title in order to do that. So 
start attending events after you leave the page and uh, get a sample ballot. With that sample ballot, don't just look at names. Don't just assume that because this person is an incumbent that you should just mark them off. No, look at their records. What have they done? I remember in looking at National Black Child Development's um, questions about how do you determine where you're going to sit there? You know, where are you going to sit down? Well, one of the places, is it good for Black children and families? If yes, what can we do to make it better? What can we do to spread the word? If it's not, what can we do to fix it? Because all too often, we feel so powerless we don't feel that black lives matter we don't feel like brown people are important and so if i don't feel that i have a voice then i need someone to help me move through this journey so part of what we can do is unite forces with our neighbors with our friends with our loved ones and help them say, you know what? Let's go to this forum. The beauty of COVID-19 is that you can find any forum that you want to sitting right in your living room. <laughs> Just listen, check we it out have. and say, okay, is this good for us? If yes, how do we spread the word? If it's not, how do we create something that's better? Wow, I'm taking notes, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we all, that's where it starts. It starts mm -hmm. with conversation. It starts with us talking with one another. I can't even count the number of calls I've received over the last couple of weeks about voting. And people saying, well, what does this amendment mean? What are they talking about here? Because in order to be an advocate, you have to be informed. Yeah. And you don't have to know it all. Think about attorneys. Attorneys don't have to know it all, but they have to know where to find it. Mm -hmm. Because somebody out here has the answer. And it might be somebody in the next room or even in the next chair. Wow. All right. So Debbie, we've got Debbie, I want to ask you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, everybody in the chat, don't feel free, like um, Sharon said, to ask questions. Um, these young ladies, uh, in my opinion, are giving us, Debbie's taking us to school. A lot of us is taking notes right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm honored that uh, Sharon invited her on the show, and I'm definitely a student of information. One, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Debbie, was, a lot of us get caught up with, um, like I said, vote, voting for your your particular person didn't win or not. Do you ever feel like with some people the roadblocks of having dealing with a different party? Like you may be a person may be a Democrat, but it's Republicans in office, so they'll be like, "Oh, I'm not going to deal with them. They ain't none of my people. They don't have my best interests," and they just give up altogether. How do you think, what would be your suggestion on how we can get past uh, the, the, the partisanship, the party stuff, and just get what we need to get for us done? Definitely when you're dealing with what you and Sharon doing, the children have no choice. The children don't care about who's the president. They don't care about none of that stuff. They, want, they need uh, money. They need funding. Um, I had explained to Sharon before, I'm one of them people that believe that 
children should have a blank mm. check like Department of Defense. <laughs> but, but we already know where that's going. And, and um, <laughs> you know, what, what would be your suggestion on dealing with that if you live in an area that may not be of your party or your party may not be in power, so to say, when you're trying to advocate? Being associated with nonpartisan organizations, one of the things that we promote is issues, not candidates. We have no permanent friends and no permanent enemies. When you think about Head Start, and that's where I started my career after graduate school. Head Start was an, a, a pioneer, I would say. A pioneer in terms of what can happen for young children when their families and their communities are involved. An organization where nonpartisan support was provided. One of the biggest raises I received while working in Head Start came from Ronald Reagan. And people are like, Ronald Reagan doesn't like us. But how many of you have seen politicians who have based their careers on the children? I've done a workshop at uh, on the national basis as well as locally on children's lives matter. And one of the things that I do in, during the session is to have participants answer some questions. One of those questions is, who is my governor? Who's my lieutenant governor? Can I name three county elected officials? Can I name this person, that person? But the other question is, which party are they in? And the reality is, no matter which party they're in, it's their responsibility and ours to ensure that the children get what they deserve. Now, we know a lot has happened in our current national administration as it relates to saying, now, do children really matter? But it's our responsibility to make sure that they matter. One year, a um, few years ago, there was a sequestration of Head Start funds. And so one of the things we did was to say, okay, so let's take empty chairs to the nation's capital and put those out there and let people see how many chairs are empty because you are holding back the funds. Now, while that was being done at the nation's capital, we did a facsimile of that here in Georgia. Now, when you look at those empty chairs and you say that you're a family man, because at one point we heard something about, what was it, family values? And one particular party decided, well, we're the party of family values. Okay, well, if you're the party of family values, why do we have all these empty chairs here? Where is the money? If you say that you are patriotic, if you say that you are about what happens with children and families, then put your money where your mouth is. We need hospitals in communities where those children live. We need after school services. We need street lights, safe parks, safe buildings. We need jobs for their parents. Their neighbors need extra training sometimes. 
Well, all those things go right back around to the census and voting. And one of the things that I was saying to my pastor a few weeks ago was that one of the issues we have right now is that there's a lot of conversation from the top, a lot of name calling, a lot of innuendos that suggest that I am for this group. These are my people. Well, the reality is if I, if you're elected, whether I gave you my individual vote or not, you were elected to serve all people within that domain. Whether it be you trying to be the sheriff or you trying to be the county commissioner or the tax commissioner or the president or a congressman, a congresswoman or a state legislator, a judge, you were elected to serve and protect all of us. And so when we recognize that we are part of that group that is to be served, then we step forward, no matter who's in charge, and say this is what we deserve because we are citizens, we are your neighbors, and these are your children and mine. Wow. <laughs> yes. You know, um, I have page full of notes here. I've been taking <laughs> um, because one one I one of the things that happens for me is I continue to grow. I feel like I never stop learning. And so when guests come um, on the show, I've invited them for a particular reason. And so it's also my job to continue the message of our guests um, once you have shared your information. So before we um, round out and start bringing it to a close, I just want to give the listeners some points for people who may not have been taking notes because they were too engrossed with what you were saying and they were glued to the screen okay um one of the ideas that debbie gave us is that it goes back to that old adage each one reach one but we need to reach one or three or five <laughs> whatever it is we feel we can reach and then it, and then encourage the people that we're reaching to do the same thing that's that compound interest and so that's how we get the word spread out in our communities uh, like wildfire. Then another thing that we can do is to get educated. We need to know who our representation is. Once we know who they are, we need to go and investigate and see what have they been doing? What have they promised? What have they done? What have they left undone? So that we can make educated decisions about who we're going to vote for. I think that's part of the problem. We feel like it's just one party against another party instead of one scorecard against another scorecard, okay? Um, and then um, another um, piece that I got was we ourselves can attach ourselves to some bipartisan organizations in our community and begin working with and through those organizations. Because sometimes we feel like, well, it's just me. It's not just you. We are all a part of this community. And there are hundreds of thousands, and I'm gonna say millions, because we're, we're talking about across our entire nation, not just in our local community, not just in our state, but nationally, we're talking about millions of children who don't have a voice. They can't go out and vote. They can't fill out the census card because if they could, I'm sure there are some children who will <laughs> fill it out and mail it in because their uh -huh. parents don't <laughs> because they understand this means I get new books at my school. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> and so um, those are three things that I think are really important for us to take away um, from what Debbie has shared with us about 
the census and being counted, about uh, voting and making our voices heard, and holding our elected officials accountable to us for what they say they're going to do and what we need them to do. Because they may not have promised it, but we still need it. Does not negate the fact that some changes need to take place. And so we have to become an active part. We have to email, write letters, make phone calls, go down to our capitals when uh, legislation is in session and make our voices heard. Wow. And I, Debbie, I just, um, Sharon, Sharon, when she um, began going over her notes, she reminded me of something that, that she educated myself on. And she said, she said, Quentin, if you pay attention, every time politicians talk about cuts, the first thing that they mention is education. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is what has gotten me to have shows on education. And um, this is something that I try to advocate myself with education because I was I didn't pay much attention in school. Um, I wasn't one of them people that that <laughs> went to. I didn't go to school for education. I went to school. For to socialize, so um, <laughs> you know, you, you guys are really uh, reteaching me right now on what's going on. Uh, I just want you to know, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and you've definitely have opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't know. And being able to hold people accountable, whether you're into the politics in your local area or not, you still need to let them know that you're here, mm-hmm. and you're just not going to let them just. Uh, have their seat without being held accountable. You need to make your name a household word. So they need to know you just like they expect you to know them. You want them. One of the the other things that I heard was that sometimes we have elected people who really, they are elected officials. They are not experts in every bill on which they vote. Mm -hmm. And so it's our responsibility also to say to them, I understand that you are voting on this next session. Let me give you some other information about it. Let me give you some, let me become your voice in the back of your head because oftentimes you know we all have a passion about something or we should some of us haven't found it yet some of us have not yet taken advantage of the opportunity to connect with both traditional and non-traditional parties There are certain people that you think feel the same way you do. But amazingly, if you just open yourself up to conversation, you find that you really have a lot more in common with other people than you have differences. Mm -hmm. And when you find those common grounds, then you can start to discuss where we go from here and what we do for our children together. Because as you said, cut children. That was a a quick plug, Debbie, of Malcolm, of of Martin Luther King's last book, Where Do We Uh Go From Here? (laughs) (laughs) We have to, COVID has certainly um, impacted our lives. Mm-hmm. There are people who now have a better understanding about the roles and responsibilities of others. There are some parents who really didn't know what teachers did all day. <laughs> but thanks to COVID, I believe there will be some awesome gifts for teachers next year. <laughs> Because people are now realizing what it means to serve in a certain role. 
I think that this has given us an opportunity to sit back and reflect on some things, to be grateful, to realize that if there are people who went through the dogs, the water hoses, the hate, the hateful words, if you went through all of that in order to be able to vote you know in that the a movie about voter suppression there was a lady in there who said that she had grown weary of standing and she said i'm just leaving there was an older lady who took her by the hand and said please don't go that lady as a result of of someone saying please don't go cast her vote that night and the things that she went through to be able to cast her vote were just unbelievable there were so many obstacles so many turnaround points that she could have gone home and waited on the 11 o'clock news but it is our responsibility to take somebody by the hand and say don't leave you count your vote counts and we will not have done our part until we have informed ourselves use that information made a voting plan you know, one of the, the big things this year is not just waking up tomorrow morning and say well i guess i'll vote how are you going to vote where are you going to vote you can't say well i'm afraid of, of catching COVID, so i'm not going to vote yes you are you can vote absentee you'll say you know what i'm afraid of the mail okay they have drop boxes it is our responsibility to be that voice of conscience that for every individual that comes up with an excuse and a reason not to we give them a reason to and we walk hand in hand along with them what do you say we shall overcome mm. and how do we overcome together we are stronger together. And we can't give up no matter how hard it seems. We cannot give it up. Because the children deserve the best that we have to offer. Mm -hmm. And that is what this show is all about. It always comes back to and the bottom line for us are the children. And that's why we, the question, and that, that's another call of action for everybody listening tonight or listening to the replay um, in, the, in the days beyond, will you stand up for the children? Because they cannot stand up for themselves. And in order for them to have what they need, in order for families to have what they need, they need our voice. They need us to go and make our voices heard, make their voices heard of what we need from our people in office. So will you stand with us and stand up for the children? Thank you so much, Debbie, for joining us tonight. This was amazing. And I am definitely going to have to have you come back as we circle around. We will invite you back again um, to share more of your wealth of knowledge um, and share with us your work in uh, advocacy on behalf of children and families. Thank you so much. Thank you. I have enjoyed every second of <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when you decide, when you decide uh, schedule permitting to come back, you can explain to me um, what strengthening families is all about because I see uh, that's all in the chat. Yes, I see. I have my crew here. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I really like to thank, just take a, a moment to thank all of my constituents, mm -hmm. my friends, my family for joining us tonight. And you really made me feel special because you took time out of your schedules to join in. Yes. Yes. Shoot, the 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 honor is all ours. We 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 got notes, and I mean, I I thought it was going to be an interview, but class was in session. I mean, honestly, this this is um, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm highly appreciative of uh, Sharon's audience as well as your own audience, and uh, Sharon has definitely uh hit it out the park on this second episode, like. This this gonna be some tough shoes to fill after you. I mean, <laughs> man, man, you you listen. I, I live in Pennsylvania. You might make me want me to relocate down to Atlanta now, because <laughs> man, you know you, I and you you know you out there. Like I said, your your advocacy for the children, as well as all the other things you do, um, is highly appreciated. Um, I appreciate you as well as my family as well, because we don't realize who are fighting our battles that we don't see. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate everything that you do. And uh, yeah, your crew is your crew is in the chat heavy tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, so, again, just want to thank all of the listeners, everybody. Um, we've, we've got three people who are pulling together here. And I just want to welcome everyone and let you know that this is not the only show for Let's Talk. Hopefully you will go to Quentin's Facebook page, Let's Talk, and like the page, um, hit the notifications, because he has a variety of other shows that come on that you might be interested in joining in. Yeah, yeah, I have, I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, like Sharon said, if you uh, if you if you interested like advocacy is one of my things that I would love to highlight um, in any community. I don't care where you at. You could be in Montana somewhere if you're watching the show, and you advocate for the people. I'm here for you to mm -hmm. be uh, a voice for you. It is it's not limited to just education. Um, it could be about anything that you feel as though that you're uh, you may need a platform to be heard. I'm very uh, objective. Uh, so, you know, you can reach out to me personally, um, inbox me or, you know, send a message through the Let's Talk page on Facebook as well. <laughs> Someone says this, somebody sent you a message, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my crew. That's your crew. That's right. Rockdale County. <laughs> Sharon, you uh, when is the next time uh, in the trenches with early educators will be on? In two weeks, next show will be October the twenty-first, and um, our guest coming on the show um, is we're going to be spotlighting uh, domestic violence. So I'm pinking it out today, and in two weeks I'll be purpling it out, <laughs> um, and we'll talk about how uh, domestic violence impacts the lives of children. I think that we, we talk a lot about the adult victims and very often we forget about the impact that it has uh, on the children who are also a part of that. So join us uh, in two weeks on October 21st, again at 7 p.m. on Let's Talk. And um, we hope to see you there. With, with that, I can't, I can't thank Sharon and Debbie enough. Um, I really appreciate you guys, and I know that uh, this is just the beginning of something bigger. I can feel it, um, and I appreciate you guys. Everybody in the chat, we appreciate all the nice words and comments, and, and you guys have definitely sold Debbie on me, definitely with all that information she was dropping. She definitely took me to class. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Like I always say, um, being, being the host of the show is that I have a front row seat for everybody else. So if you guys didn't appreciate it, I sure did. But I know you guys appreciate it because uh, 
strengthening families. I, I think I'm gonna you know have to look that up because that sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. But um, like I said, everybody have a blessed night. Thank you, thank you. Can't tell you guys how much we appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. With that, stay blessed. <laughs>